You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of good guides on the Bow River, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a new outfitter. I'm not going to contend with that, you know. Like the Bow River is a great fishery, but there's a lot of boats, you know. And I actually floated once with a guide, and I, we were we were behind like five boats. Like they launched right before me, and I'm like, man, is this what it's like? And he's like, yeah, this is like this is the Bow River. Like a lot of people fish it, you know. And he's like, Mike, all we got to do is fish better than every other boat in front of us you know mend that extra time make sure you hit that bucket you know like work for it work harder you know and that really resonated when that guy said that to me because sometimes you get to a boat and you see like or or, sorry you get to a lake and you see like bowl launches packed you know that's not saying everyone's out fishing right but but yeah i know what you mean those those heavily i always think if you can catch fish and do well on heavily pressured systems whether it's a river or a lake you're doing something right because those fish aren't stupid. They've been caught before. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you chose to join us this time around. We're going to head out to southern Alberta, Calgary, actually, to be specific, Alberta, Canada. We have got Mike Krug on the line. Now, Mike is an avid fly fisher for pike. He has a, um outfitter service called High for Fish. He's an electrician by day and just passionate for chasing those those pike in, in the still and moving water i assume mike thanks so much for coming on the show today yeah thanks for having me mark it's a pleasure to be here and uh you've had such prestigious guests on this show so i just i feel honored and thanks again for having me hey it's my pleasure i know we got a lot of water to cover because i'm a bit i'm a novice i'm a rookie when it comes to pike i know i don't i've never fished for pike so I, i really know not a lot about it you can dial me in on so many things i i want to start though the show before we talk about you know, your day-to-day, some of your, your fishing tendencies. We'll talk about your your, your outfitter uh, service. But I want, want to dig into your past first. Like, how did you come to discover fly fishing? Because it's, it's usually a real steep learning curve when we find it. A lot of us come at it from spin fishing. Uh, may or may not be the case for you. Where did it start? And, and walk us through your journey, if you will. Well, actually, um, I was on the mend and I had uh, shoulder surgery and I was sitting at home a lot and my sister's boyfriend took me out ice fishing once and this, there's a local pond and it was just filled with burbot. Like we were catching burbot, like we caught like 40 or 50 of them in a day and they, uh, they actually got in there and they wanted them fished out. So they, we had to recycle these fish. So really we were doing these people a favor going and fishing every day. And that's what got me hooked on fishing again. Cause growing up, uh, I didn't fish much, you know, I didn't, my, my father never taught me or anything. So I'm all self-learned from people I've met and YouTube and, you know, the Tom Rosenbauer and just hours on the river and hmm. failure, right? <laughs> Learning from a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And th- and that's when we learn, right? You kind of get outside your comfort zone, but so, so you got into the ice fishing, maybe a little spin fishing. How did you come to find fly fishing specifically? Well, um, I was, uh, I'm an electrician by, uh, by trade and, uh, I was working on a job and, um, I was pike fishing lots and I just caught my first meter long fish. So I was showing a guy at work and he's like, oh yeah, I fish, I fly fish and I fly fish on the boat. And his name's Owen, a really great guy. And, uh, he started showing me pictures of the brown trout and the rainbows. And I was like, oh man, that looks, that sounds awesome. Like we should get out. And he's telling me that the bow is a blue ribbon fishery and, man, this is all news to me. So I uh, went out with him after work and I had a little rainbow trout spoon on and I cast everywhere and I 
didn't get a bump. I didn't get a grab. And here he is nymphing, just pulling fish out of the hole. Like he got six rainbows out of this hole. You know, the next run he got four, you know, like we got back to the truck and I just thought like, man, I got to get a fly rod, you know, like, what am I, what am I doing? These fish are eating bugs. I got to feed them bugs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like it was right at the end of this job. So, um, I bought a fly rod like the next day from Cabela's, just like a crystal river fly combo kit. And, um, I grabbed some hooks from the tackle box in our house and I wrapped them with red wire and my dad's, uh, had telephone, uh, cable kicking around and that's like, purple and brown and red and white and i would wrap that around hooks and i went out to the river where he caught fish and i just tried to get it out there like my casts were terrible my loops were not tight you know like Mm. i was just trying to get it out and eventually i started to cast better i got it out and next thing i know my indicator's gone like gone like set the hook and it's on man like (laughs) there's something pulling me on the other line and i'm running trying to trying to keep tight on this fish like my fly reel was just exploded. Like I had such a mess on my fly reel. I finally get this fish close. Lucky there's a guy on the river comes and scoops this fish for me. It was like a 20 inch brown trout. Like still to this day, I've only caught like one handful of fish, brown trout that nice, you know, and this is like Mm. years later, you know, that's cool. So yeah. I, and then after that land, I was hooked and this lucky I was, I seen this guy cause he, I, I was trying to get the knots after we let the fish go. We took a couple pictures. I was trying to get the knots out and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And then he showed me, you can pull the spool like out of the fly reel. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is brilliant. Like, thank yeah. you so much. I just like re-rigged everything. He helped. He told me a few knots, you know, and I just got out back fishing. Like, man, it, it was epic. Like, mm. yeah. And that's what really started it. And then I just started tying and, like I bought my first vice and I, I was in at the fly shop one day, just buying red wire. And, um, there's a guide and he was tying these bloody black leeches. So I went and got a coffee and I like stuck around and I was just watching him tie flies and it was like mesmerizing, you know, and he was, I was, you know, I spin dubbing loops, right. And you put the dubbing in the dubbing loop and then you put it in the twister and you twist it up and then you spin the, spin it around the fly. Right. But this guy was like, he was using wax and he was just putting on the dubbing and he was making a noodle and he was just cranking them out. Like, I don't know, just everything clicked very quick for me. And I just knew like, this mm. is, this is what I want to do. That's really cool. I, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean when you, you know, you first see somebody really tying that knows what they're doing. It's very inspirational. You hook that first fish and you're like, all of a sudden, instead of having a spinning reel and a stiffer rod, you know, you got a fly rod in your hand and, and, and it, you feel like you're fighting the fish because there's nothing else there but the weight of the fish. And I, I always, we, once you've been doing this a while, you kind of forget. I, I, it's a good reminder. I, if you don't mind, I'd like you to, Mike, walk us through some of your influences. So it sounds like maybe that Owen you're talking about might have influenced you a little bit. But throw a few names at us. And they, they don't necessarily have to be you know, friends or people you've even fished with. Maybe it's like Tom Rosenbauer. It's one of those people that you kind of watch the vids, but um, who's, who's kind of influenced you along the way so far? Well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Owen, a uh, guy that I met through work, we, we would go out and we, we live close to each other in the city. So we just meet up on the river and I remember casting and he'd be like, slower on your back cast, wait more, you know, like just mend, you know, like kind of hollering at me. And I, while I was in the run, I was like, ah, you know, like just zip it. Let me, let me pay attention. But I think back on that, I was like, that was so much help. That was so helpful, you know? And Owen always practiced really good catch and release. And he always stressed like keeping the fish wet, wet in your hands, like making sure you have the net and everything ready to go. Like I, I always thank him for that because it installed like a good value of me of catch and release. Cause like, I live close to the bow. I walk down and I catch, like I've caught the same fish like three times one season, like the Mm. same Brown, the same body of water, like damn near the same fly every time, you know, like I swear I got him this year too. He looks a little bigger, but I don't know. Some people call me crazy. You people out there might think I'm crazy, but no, no, I um, get that. When you, if you fish the same kind of runs, 
I, I've done it on lakes where you go, okay, well, that fish has a very distinct marking. There's no mistaking it. And I know it sounds funny, but I think catch and release, that happens a lot. It happens, I think, more often than people think. Oh, yeah. Well, your podcast put me on it because I didn't really know about match fishing and how working a beat, like your podcast, I was listening to people talk about their beat. And when I was out fishing, I went out by myself on Friday and um, I literally sat at this one pool and I got a fish on one nymph. And then I fished it, didn't get any love, didn't get any love, brought it in, changed out, nymphed a leech through there. Bam, I get another one. Then I cut that off, fish a lightning bug. Bam, get another one. And I was like, hmm. normally I would walk away. I wouldn't re-rig. I would just move on to the next one, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, man, how many, how many fish you miss just on an average day you know i never thought of that working like a beat you know so well i think some of those some of those guys and gals that do that you know competitively are so systematic i think the average angler i call it gun and run you basically you know you hit a you hit a stretch and you, you work your pattern nothing you keep moving but when you're stuck in oh. one spot it, it forces you to think a little differently yeah yeah hmm. yeah no doubt so but uh sorry to uh, get off topic i know the the other guys that really helped me along owen was one of them right um but uh this guy actually i meet a lot of people through instagram and this uh guy named uh, trout madness that's his handle but his name's jacob and uh he's just such a solid dude you know he's got a big heart and he's always willing to like show you new techniques and we get out fishing a lot like I thought I was a good caster when I first started hanging out with them. And I don't chase a lot of trout on the lake, but we, I, I always like lake fishing with this guy. And I thought I was a good caster and like, man, we'd be out there from shore trying to cast. I was trying to cast like a 12, 14, 15 foot leader. And like, these guys were doing it with ease. And I'm just like working, working to get it out there. And these guys are just bombing it out there, you know, hmm. not tangling their rigs, like just so clean, you know? And yeah. I've been fishing with him for a few years and I, I I'm definitely a lot better at throwing a still water indicator and a long rig now, but man, I was mm. just, those guys taught me so much and you know, they'd be on one color and then they'd be switching off and be like, Oh yeah, you try and you try an orange. Oh yeah. Like purple, they're on purple. Like they're, they, they, sh they showed me how to properly throat sample trout and right. you know, there was just the Jacob is a really, um, he's a competitive guy, not, he super big heart and don't get me wrong he loves when you're catching fish but like he's determined to catch the fish he like he wants to know what they're eating what where they're eating you know like sure. what they're what they're turned on to now you know so it's like just fishing around a guy and trying to keep up to a guy like that like you're gonna get better you know you're gonna keep learning and like i'm always learning yeah like, anyone that says they know everything it's like man you don't know nothing like <laughs> Yeah, I think anybody that's been doing this any amount of time, you realize how little, the the more you know, the less you realize, the more you realize you, you don't know it all. And, and, and that's the beauty of it. Whether it's you're chasing the entomology of it, you're chasing the fly tying, you're chasing the casting, you're chasing the techniques. You're, I'm always attracted to things that never stop learning. And I think, uh, I think that's kind of a common denominator that I see throughout the world of fly fishing. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And too, like I'm a good angler in Calgary, Alberta, you know, but like it's a whole new ball game when I go to Cabo and, you know, start mm. throwing flies around there, you know, or yeah, like anywhere in the world. So we've got Mike Krug on the line from Calgary, Alberta. He has high for fish outfitters, electrician by day. We're going to talk all things pike. We're going to talk sluice sharks, jackfish, AKA uh, hammer handles, Let's get into first your day-to-day -day before we talk about fly fishing for pike and the waters that you frequent. Um, I always like to kind of get a feel for your area. So when you're on your way to your favorite um, uh, pike fly fishing kind of area, what are you listening to in the stereo? Oh, man. I got some, if it's just me, solo, I will be listening to Jack Johnson. I get some upbeat music. I'm singing. I'm vibing. You know, I'm going to the spot. But then once I get close, like I like to turn it up. You know, get some rush going. Or um, hmm. there's a local band I really like called Cron Goblin, and I usually crank that up and you know just get the goosebumps going, get the stoke ready to get the boat on the water. You know, Cron Goblin is that a chronomid? 
That's not a no, fly. No, no. <laughs> that should be it. We should, they should, someone should invent that fly. Cron, cron goblin, cron. chronomid. <laughs> that's, that's where my head went. Um, yeah. So are, are you a big music guy? Is that something you get a lot of passion out of? Uh, yeah, I used to go to shows a lot and I used to really stay up to date on what's hot and, you know, all that other stuff. But I, now I'm just on Spotify and I have the playlists that people make or the dailies, you know, but I really like when people come on the boat and like, I'm a big believer of having music on the boat, you know, you know, not maybe right in the morning, but like, you know, at lunchtime, you know, crank the tunes, you know, turn it on, you know, cause everyone, everyone's feeling good when they have their their song on you know like i fish with all different types of people so Mm. you know i I listen to a lot of music when you're out there one go-to fly pattern mike so for pike if you had to pick one say you're limited to one pattern i know that's kind of like not realistic but what's one that you go to more often than not fire tiger without a doubt fire tiger if you're a pike angler and you don't have a fire tiger pattern in your in your fly box then you need to call me because that needs to change. Uh, that is a pattern I fish a lot, and you know it's it catches fish. It you can see it in the water, you know. Hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. So fire tiger is kind of like that orange with green with the with the yeah, bars. So, yeah. Green. Yeah. Green, black, and orange. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's well, and honestly, I think a lot of us probably stole that from the lure fishing world because. You know, those, I always remember those Rapalas that uh, used to, well, that's what they were called, Fire Tiger. But, yeah, uh, for sure. And and that's why I call it that, you know, like it, it works, you know. Yeah. And um, I yeah. like also another classic color is just, you know, red and white, you know, that's another. Sure. Because usually when people are going pike fishing, it's, it's a nice sunny day, you know, put on a classic color. It's good. Is there a place you like to go to talk fly fishing? So if you're not in the boat, you know, you're not getting your waders wet. Let's say, like, is there a fly shop? Is there a brew pub? Is there somewhere you get your fix on fly fishing when you're not fishing? Uh, Yeah. I Like like I said on the Instagram, like, I tie a lot on my uh, story. So a lot of people react and we'll start chatting or they'll tell me, oh, try purple and black or i like blue and black so i'll tie like a fly and blue a streamer in blue and black but i uh i like fishtails in the south of, uh, in the south of calgary there like yeah i got a few buddies that work there uh one buddy in particular matt and i i like going in and chatting with him like i try not to spend too long i usually have a list and like get what's on my list don't dilly dally too much because like the longer i'm in there the more materials i'm throwing in my basket you know oh yeah so and Nancy and Dave over there, they're like, they're like the nicest people ever. Like I always chat with them when I'm in there, you know, and like, I try to support that shop because that's where I went. Like, that's where I seen my first fly tying demo, you know, like I bought my first, I bought my first nice vice from there, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I, yeah, I got a lot of respect for those people there. They, and like, whenever I got a, someone needs a gift for me for christmas or my birthday like they get me something awesome from fishtails like love that place can't say nothing better about it it's amazing i'm not promoted or endorsed by them at all either i'm just i'm a big believer in good businesses should stay alive through this covid and you got to support them i've had a lot of people uh throw fishtails so uh next time i'm in calgary uh it's been a while but next time i'm gonna check it out for sure yeah right on um are you a sports guy at all? So, um, being in Calgary, I, I'm I'm assuming it's it's either the Flames, Stamps, uh, but maybe not. Who who do you um, pull for in the world of sports? Well, uh, I'm honestly I'm not a big sports guy. Like I played a lot of sports growing up, but mm-hmm. I don't follow a lot of sports or anything. I actually really like watching the lacrosse, like the Roughnecks, yeah, NLL. Um, you know, like. Uh, tickets are a good price the beer's always cold you know it's like they play music full time like i used to play lacrosse and i love lacrosse um i'll go to i I'll cheer for the flames like um I'll, I'll go to a stamps game but my my family raised me a rider i'm from saskatchewan originally so oh, yeah i gotta cheer i cheer for the riders if we go but hey man I, I will go and have a good time and drink beer and be merry if anyone gets me a ticket to a game you know so <laughs> that's where you get all that pike pike fly fishing from it's in your dna 
I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, that that's true. Well, I only caught, I only remember catching one pike as a kid and poor lady, like my mom didn't cook it. Some, some other lady prepared it and land, like I tried it and it was like, so gross. Like I felt bad that I killed the poor thing, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And then that's why I catch and release. Like I, I love catch and release, like, especially with these big pikes, a lot of these lakes we have to, but like, mm-hmm. man, don't bonk a 45 inch big pike. Cause like, that's a big breeder, you know, yeah. she's got a lot of eggs in that wagon. Yeah. Well said. Um, whereabouts in Sask are you guys from originally? Uh, we moved here from Regina when yeah. I was like, like grade three. So what is that? Yeah. Seven. Sure. 2000. No, we moved here in 2000. So, so yeah. And then, uh, I've been here ever since my parents are on an acreage and, uh, now I'm a city boy living in Calgary. If you had to think about lessons learned so far from your time fly fishing, what's your biggest takeaway? Um, is there something you could kind of distill down and say, this is kind of what fly fishing does for me, or this is what it brings to my world? Oh man, it brings peace and solitude. Like I'm an electrician by trade, like you said, and like work comes and goes, like, you know, they man up for a job. We finish the job. Like they might lay you off before the next one. So sometimes you're sitting, you know, like, and fly fishing got me out of the house a lot. Like it got me to the river. Like I would apply for jobs all morning. And then I'd say like, okay, at lunchtime, I'm going to go take a lunch, sit on the river, eat my lunch, go fish a run, come back home. You know, like I'm still looking for work, but like you got to, got to live life, you know? And now that I'm back to work all the time now, I'm like, man, I had it so good being on the river all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's hard for me this time of year because fall, I do not get out a lot. My day job has me, um, working every day pretty much, but uh, I know exactly what you mean. You got to take advantage when you can. Fill in the blank for me, Mike. So when you are not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? I am thinking about t- uh, fly fishing, tying flies in my basement. Because <laughs> I got a little room, a little factory, and I just crank the tunes and tie flies. Or, you know, yeah. if I'm not fly fishing, I'm probably ice fishing. You know, if it's the winter, either that or skiing. You know, but I would have to say, if I narrow it down to one answer, I'm tying flies. Hmm. So you, you've got to set up like at a desk in, in your basement? Yeah. Yeah. I dedicated one room just to the fly fishing and I keep all my stuff in here. And this is my little, uh, I guess my little dojo, you'd say. Yeah. I'm like that too. I, well, I, where I'm talking to you from right now, I'm surrounded by marabou and uh it looks like a fly shop in here and it has for a while but uh i i love it like for me it's like relaxing it's kind of my uh i don't know it's an escape um what's the best job you've had so far like are you doing it now is it maybe high for fish is it uh, you know the electrical trade or maybe it's something you've done in the past so far what's what's your favorite gig well, I've definitely worked with a lot of people over the years and through the trade. And uh, I would have to say guiding for sure. Like without a doubt, when people pay me to take, like let them take, take them fishing, you know, like mm-hmm. that is an honor, you know, like if, whether it's, you know, spin fishing on my boat, fly fishing on my boat, or it's on the ice, you know, like if you're going to bless me with one of your days off and you're going to come chase fish with me, like, and pay me to do it, like that is awesome. You know, like I'm going to work my butt off for you. And we're going to catch some fish and we're going to have a good day, you know, but I have a very good, my electrical job right now is very good. Also, it, it affords me like we work four 10 hour shifts. So then I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Nice. So I really, really like that shift and I'm going to try to keep it as long as I can because I get a lot of time on the water. You know, I can go try a new area, you know, I can afford a couple skunk days because I'm trying to find new water, you know, mm-hmm. I do. I had, um, I had a incident at work that a capacitor discharged and lucky I had my safety glasses on, but it discharged like, Hmm. like a, like a foot from my ear. Right. In my face. And then after that, like I've, I have like a bit of tinnitus in that ear, you know, and like, it's a reminder to me that like, I want to drop the tool someday and I, and I'm working towards, you know, like starting a guiding company and like doing something I'm passionate about, you know? Sure. So like people can get, you know, people can have a, 
a surveyor can get hit on the road. You know what I mean? Like anything can happen, you know, like electrician can get electrocuted, you know, and actually it's very sad that that happened like uh, almost a week ago or two weeks ago now. And you don't hear that very often. So like, you know, life, life is precious, man. Like get out and fish with your loved ones. Like, I just think that, you know, work isn't everything, you know, I, I I like being an electrician and it affords me to pay my mortgage and Mm -hmm. buy a boat and, fish all the time you know but like i'm working towards putting people on fish every day and you know and like cranking tunes on the boat and you know how important being a guy. how important is it for you to have that side hustle like and i i because i this that's what the podcast is to me it's just a it's a side hustle but it's it's in the avenue where you put your energy and it gives you something back that's yours, strictly yours. You know, like, the, you know, I love what I do day to day for a day job. But, you know, it's when you can just kind of take it wherever you want it to go or not, it's 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 kind of building for the future. Like I, I look at retirement one day just podcasting or whether that's maybe I don't know if you look at uh, guiding as retirement, but uh, you know what I mean? You got your bread and butter and then you've got your kind of your, your side hustle. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. And, and uh, it's funny that you kind of laugh about guiding being your retirement. Cause I, when I first started the company, I thought it was going to be the most lucrative thing out there. Right. But I'm slowly learn, learning that it's like, it's like a snowball, you know, you get a couple good clients a year that turn into buddies and they come back, you know, and like I took a guy out like, I don't work my, I try not to work my birthdays. I take birthdays off and I go fishing or I go, I go do something that I love to do, you know? And I was at work and I was like, man, take your birthday off. Like you don't need to work. You got money. Like take your birthday off, take your birthday off. And then finally he took his birthday off and I took him fishing and he had so much fun. And at the end of the day, he was like, man, next year on my birthday, let's go fishing. I was like, all right, man, you know, like we're going fishing on that day. Mark my words. I'm putting it in the calendar now, you know, that's awesome. That's how it starts. You know, I love it. So, so listen, let's, let's take it to the water. Cause I, I really want you to dial me in on, on the type of fishing you're doing. Um, you know, the, the type, the type, the way that you're chasing pike, the patterns you're throwing. So let's, let's get a little specific on high for fish. Um, you know, the, the, the area around Calgary that you're fishing, like maybe describe the type of water you're norm normally hitting. Uh, yeah, there's a good handful of, uh, lakes that are all catch and release for pike in the Calgary area, you know? Uh, so there's a lot of choices and that what makes it very good because, you know, if it's super windy at one spot, it might not be windy on another lake or like this lake has cover. So, you know, the wind might be up, but I know I'll be okay and it'll be fishy, you know? So it's, it's good to have a lot of different spots, but um, I like, I guide out of my uh, 16 foot Lund and uh, like, I'll take spin fisherman, fly fisherman. You know, I love when a guy has his own pike rod and he's like, he knows he's, he's throwing an eight weight all day. You know, like some guys, they, they trout fish for like a couple hours or they say they're, you know, fly fishermen for eight years, but they fish one day, you know, one day, a right. four way through and dry flies, you know what I mean? Like they're not ready to pick up heavy flies and turn over big flies all day, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I love it when a guy's fired up and ready. Not to say that's not saying those guys can't do that. I'm not saying that, but yeah. Um, I don't want my trout buddies to get mad at me because uh I love I love going on the lake on the boat with them too and and indicator fishing for uh for trout. But uh big flies, you know, and um I someone said it on one of your podcast a podcast when they contour oh. contour contour trolling. Yeah, that was Randy Faskell. Yeah. Contour trolling. And I, I totally get that. That's how most of us started, I think, on the Stillwater. But Yeah. It, it, what I find interesting, Mike, in your area is okay, so you're obviously right on the Bow River. I mean, that is a you know, a world famous trout system, yet you choose to spend most of your time chasing pike, which, which is not necessarily the norm. Maybe, um, tell us what's so exciting about chasing those big pike. Oh man. 
when you got clear water and you're throwing like a, I don't know, like a 12, 12 inch, 10 inch fly, you know, and you see that baby, like you're stripping it in and you're seeing it working it back to the boat, but yet you see a shadow like chasing it, like stalking it down, you know, and just seeing those eats and those big strike, like I, I, I like fishing the bow and I haven't caught any pike on the bow, surprisingly for the amount of streamers I throw, but like, Pike can get big, man. Like you can get like 45, 48 inches, you know, like I heard of a, a guy getting a 50 incher last year at one of these lakes. Like I haven't seen the pictures yet, so hmm. I don't believe it till I see it, but, uh, that, that gives me hope. Right. And, you know, especially if people practice good catch and release, you know, like they have proper tools, they have proper pliers, you know, like good mouth spreaders. I like two sets of mouth spreaders, like one for the big, big pike. And then sometimes you get a little pike that takes it and you got to use the little spreaders on them and just pop the hook, you know, get it out there, get it out quick, hmm. let them go, you know, let them hold on to them, especially the big girls. Like you'll fight a, you know, I, I'll say mega, you know, you might hear me say mega. Like I say anything, a mega is like 40 inches and plus, you know, like those fish can sometimes be very tired, especially ice fishing they can be very tired when you let them go. So you gotta, you gotta hold their tail, you know, like you gotta revive them, make sure they're good to go. You know, like I'm a big believer in catch and release. I catch some of these big fish like a couple times or like we'll see them two or three times through a season, you know? So um, yeah, big believer in that. And, and you also have to, so play by the rules, everyone. Let's, let's fish and keep fishing for these beautiful bastards. Hey, Sorry. No, man. Beautiful buggers. You can say bastards. Hey, um, All right, that's okay. Yeah, you can say whatever you want, man. This is, uh, I, you know, <laughs> and I've said this before on the show, but as soon as you swear once on iTunes, it's explicit. So we can say whatever the heck we want. Um, oh, right. Awesome. The one thing, Mike, that I'm, I'm kind of curious about is leader material. What do you oh, use yeah. for the most part, you know, when, when you're targeting 40 inch pike, I, I've heard that there's wire leaders or just heavy monofilament. What do you like to use? What's your go-to? I like to use, um, like an 80 pound or a 60 pound, um, fluorocarbon. And then you can crimp, you can get crimps and crimp your own leaders for whatever length, you know, like I've used the Berkeley 30, Berkeley 30 pound and 50 pound vanish like leader material and like it works don't get me wrong but like sometimes it doesn't matter you'll get a big fish and it'll turn on you and it'll just cut you off so i like having a uh, big fluorocarbon or i also make wire leaders but hmm. um depending on the water clarity and what's going on that'll be dependent on what i'm running also like how heavy my rigs are what you know there's different variables but I like the fluorocarbon leaders, you know, like I'm you throwing, gotta think these fish, are, these fish are old, right? They've seen stuff. I'm throwing six pound fluoro. You got 80 pound fluoro. <laughs> yeah. 80. Yeah. I know, man. It, and it's funny cause I'll like switch back and forth. So like I'll be tying like 80 and using crimps on the boat and then I'll go and like fish a little trout stream and I got like six pound or I'm using like five X tippet and I'm like, Oh man, like looking at it, like, this is so small. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like it all, but I, I tend to get onto the pike and, you know, and like, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of good guides on the bow river, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm a new outfitter. I'm not going to contend with that. You know, like the bow river is a great fishery, but there's a lot of boats, you know, and I actually floated once with a guide and I, we were, we were behind like five boats. Like they launched right before me. And I'm like, man, is this what it's like? And he's like, yeah, this is like, this is the Bull River. Like a lot of people fish it, you know, and he's like, Mike, all we got to do is fish better than every other boat in front of us. You know, mend that extra time, make sure you hit that bucket, you know, like hmm. work for it, work harder, you know, and that really resonated when that guy said that to me, because sometimes you get to a boat and you see like, or, or sorry, you get to a lake and you see like the bull launch is packed, you know, right. that's not saying everyone's out fishing. Right. But, but yeah, you know, I know what you mean. Those, those heavily, I always think if you can catch fish and do well on he heavily pressured systems, whether it's a river or a lake, you're doing something right. Cause those fish aren't stupid. They've been caught before. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I take pleasure in that when, 
you know, I've had that on the, on the, on the lake, you know, guys are trolling around all day. And then you see them at the bowl lunch. Oh, how was your day? And you're like, you know, we, we caught fish, you know, and well, we didn't get anything. And it's like, well, that, that sucks. That happens to everyone. Everyone can have a slow day, but like, man, sometimes it takes to time just to like know what you're fishing, know the depths, like know where the fish are holding. Like I finally sprung and got a nice, uh, fish finder. I got a helix seven, uh, with like side imaging and down imaging and nice. the bells and whistles. And I love it. Like I had a little depth sounder before and it would tell me like what depth I was. I didn't trust the temperature or when it marked a fish, but like, it is so nice knowing exactly where a drop off starts. Like yeah. where is you're in like a bay of like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet. And there's like one pocket that's 30 feet or, you're you're in 10 feet of water and there's one pocket that's 14 feet you know or you know whatever it's just nice to know the structure you're fishing right yeah i got i got a helix five and i like it the seven i looked at the seven it looks pretty sweet but you're right it's um you can actually see the tree or you can see you know what i mean you can see the log you know what you're fishing over whereas with um some of the older finders that i used to use they're great at showing the odd fish but you don't really see the structure yeah and like when i first started like my first inflatable like i didn't have i didn't have anything you know even my first tinny boat that i had like i didn't have a fish finder either i just fished with my eyes and you know where i when i snagged you know like i got into fly fishing when i was you know laid off broke you know so like i bought a lot of stuff off kijiji you know i tied my own flies like Hmm. i had buddies that i would buy gear off of you know like no shame you know like people sometimes look at you like oh you don't have a fifteen hundred dollar rod or you don't have a thousand dollar rod it's like no i don't like i bushwhack and i'll jump off a rock to go chase fish like yeah i'll i'll launch my boat when i'm when everything's frosty and i'm tired you know like i'm not worried about expensive rods and you know maybe someday like someday i'll hopefully get there you know and who knows maybe yeah, I I know yeah. totally what you're saying. So so throw some brands at me. What do you like to fish? What's your go-to as far as brands for pike? Uh, I really like. I have a Echo uh, ten weight. It's like a it's like an INXL. You know, was, yep. didn't break the bank, and uh, I bought a ten weight just for the fact that like I could probably get away with an eight, but it's nice to really be able to like not let a fish go somewhere or like troll a rod. You know, like. Some people look at me crazy when I troll flies, but I troll flies, you know, like I like to troll flies and, you know, when someone's ca- sick of casting all day, you know, yeah. you can put a fly on and we can, they can have a sandwich, you know, and exactly. you know, let the, <laughs> let the boat hook one for them. Then they have a sip of their drink and they're all fired up because the rod looks like it's going to break in half, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I have, so, the same, yeah, I have the same rod, not a 10 weight, mind you, but, uh, yeah, no, the echo makes a great stick for sure. And, and what, I, I, what I, size do you got? I've got a, well, you'll, I'm mostly still water. So I am on a, uh, 10 foot, uh, five weight. I have a six weight and a five weight. Well, I, actually I got more nice. than a couple, but on the, on the ion XL. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So does it have a fighting butt, a fighting butt too? Uh, on the six? yes, it does have a fighting butt. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. I want to look into getting like, now that I'm still water fishing a little bit more, I'm like, I really want to get into a longer stick and see what it's like and see how it is to mend, you know? It's, um, honestly, I can't recommend it enough. Like I will not, I won't, I mean, nine foot six is as small as I would go on a still water personally. I just, I I have like an eight and a half and it's great for, you know, smaller, um, you know, like say, uh, creeks or, or rivers, but that that extra leverage really helps, and and depending on the size, I mean, you're catching big fish where you're at, and and honestly, some of the rainbows around here can get into double digits, and and sometimes that extra leverage. But you know what I find, Mike, is the wind. When the wind is howling, that's when I love a ten foot. That just gives you that little extra oomph, you know. Oh yeah, that sounds nice. I I could get behind that because we always get wind here in southern Alberta too, and and that's why I bought that ten weight because. I also, when I go to Mexico, when I'm pleasured enough to, you know, blessed, I guess, blessed enough to go to Mexico is uh, I bring my 10 weight with me. I bring my six too, but man, I'm ripping big flies. Like I'll throw big rigs into the ocean and strip them out, you know, like, and that, and there's always wind, right? 
So yeah, wind is kind of my nemesis. I need to find a hobby that uh, you'll laugh. I went fly. I went fly fishing with um, one of the gentlemen on Team Canada fly fishing, and uh, I'll tell you what. Those those guys they're fishing out of drogue, so they want. Sorry, my dog's freaking out. Um, That's okay. They they want wind because they throw this paradrogue or kind of like this underwater parachute behind, and you can kind of like drift along really slowly. It's really really cool, and I, I learned so much fishing uh, with him on on that trip. But it's just like we don't always see that when it gets windy. I usually just, you know, when it's so windy, you can't even throw a line. It's like, Oh man, you just about want to get off the lake. But that's when, um, his eyes lit up. It's like, uh, 50 kilometer an hour winds, bring it on. Let's go. Let's go fish three feet of water with this drogue. I bet you would work killer for Pike too, because, um, you know, those predators get a little, um, less shy, shall we say when, when there's some chop. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. You get that walleye chop going on. And some of my best days I've had on the boat are like days where I'm like, okay, hey, we're getting wet today. Like put your life jacket on, you know, like yeah. I bat in the hatches, you know, it's going to be windy and rough, but man, the bite's going to be good. So yeah. I, actually after listening to your podcast, I went and started researching that. So it's basically like a drift sock, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But it's, it's kind of like a, an underwater parachute. You throw it out um and you figure out which way you're drifting and you you kind of pick the drift you want to do and it, it you know why it works so well because it's like there's no you're not in a motor and you're kind of sneaking up on fish you know oh, you're not yeah. making any noise and you're the the movement is super slow i just thought it was it was pretty cool but you know you've got to it's just another dimension. They got to, they have all these rules. They got to fish on boards. You can't fish on normal seats. So you're sitting up high. It was just, it was a, it was an interesting experience for me, but, um, you know, it just, it's just another thing that opened my eyes and went, you know what? I know nothing. You think, you know, a little bit yeah. about fly fishing and then you fish with somebody that really knows and you're like, Oh shoot. Um, yeah, I, I doubt. Yeah, which, but that's what makes you a better angler, right? Yeah, you know, all those guys yeah. that are like turning on multiple light bulbs in your brain, you know. Yeah, and I for me that extends into the world of tying too. When you you go on YouTube and you watch somebody do something differently than what you're doing, you're like, oh man, I never thought to do it that way. There's so many ways to do it, right? Yeah, and just like all the material, like even someday I'm like, oh, I'm out of that. Well, I'm gonna try this material because it should work the same, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, and exactly. Do all the the Europeans you see, you know, they they have these crazy, especially for pike. They're always coming up with new tails and new styles, and it's just yeah. I, I I love watching all that fly tying stuff and hmm. just everything what people are doing. You know, it's only going to push the sport further. I want to ask you um, to take us through your dream day, Mike. So if you had your day your way, I assume it's for pike. But walk me through that. What does it look like? Your perfect day, man. You ever, you know, you'd think it'd be pike, but like I pike fish a lot, you know. And uh, what I would love, and what I love to do, is strip streamers, right? Whether that be for pike or whatever. So my dream day would be uh, chasing roo- chasing uh, rooster fish in Cabo. So I've been a few times, and like there's resident roosters. Every time I'd walk the beach, man, that's that's what I was looking for, you know, big 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 streamer in hand but i would ideally be on a guided trip and uh you know the captain could put me on some some uh, rooster fish you know that that'd be a lot of fun that's on my bucket list because i i've never fished for roosters but man does that look fun oh i know yeah and like i when i was in cabo once and we uh we were trolling and i caught a tuna on um like a yellowfin tuna on just like a little tiny blue and white hoochie so i'm like man i tied blue and white flies like i was ready to go the next time we went on the boat just like waiting for the time that the captain was like yeah cast your fly rod you know because he was he didn't want me casting because they were trolling lots so i didn't want to mess up with the trip like i didn't want to not listen to the captain you know i was there to have fun and catch fish but man stripping big poppers you know for fish boiling on the water you know like Mm. saltwater fish are like they're on steroids out there you know they're just jacked up like well, they'll and, they'll jank you good and you're in beautiful places palm trees you know so oh, cold to drink it sounds pretty good to me right now yeah cold beer on the boat i don't i don't drink a lot on the, like while i'm fishing because i'm always like 
either driving or driving the boat or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I gotta be on the ball. Like I don't mess around like that, but in Mexico when I'm on the boat, man, I'll bring beers down to the beach and, you know, we'll, we'll fish on the coral with my little brother-in-law and hmm. it's always fun. You know, it's, and yeah, like you said, it's beautiful. Go that, go down there when it's minus 40 in Calgary. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, those of us living north of the 49th, that's, uh, that's the reality. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask you a fundamental kind of, um, philosophical question, Mike, is there something about the world of fly fishing you think we could be doing a little different? Is there something that kind of irks you? Um, it's kind of a weird question, but is, is there something you think we could be doing better as a group? Um, uh, I don't know. I touched on it a little bit earlier about just having, you know, someone might not have a $400 sage rod or, you know, like, stuff like that like it shouldn't shouldn't matter you know like even sometimes people look down on people that chuck gear you know and like i i throw spoons like i had my i had my wife on the boat last week and we were chucking spoons off the boat like we were laughing having a good time you know like catching fish like that's what it's about it's about having fun and catching fish like and handling fish safely of course but like it's about getting out and enjoying nature and having fun you know like i know everyone like they're high and mighty, you know, I'm this guide, I'm this Instagram person, but it's like, we're all on a boat or on the river, like trying to fool fish, you know, like we're not, we're not rocket scientists. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I do. some people might think they are, but like, we're out to have a good time, catch fish, you know, and don't look down on someone because they got a Cabela's kit that was $60, but it gets them out on the river. Like I caught a lot of fish on my $60 Cabela's kit, you know, like, I caught a massive cut bow by myself on the bow river that I still have never caught a fish of that caliber on a river before, you know, like mm. can't look down on people. And too, like I pike fish a lot and you, you got to handle the big fish with care, you know? So like, I think the, we can just try harder, you know, try to be better, you know, every yep. time you go out and every season, like, just like when I tie flies, like I look at flies, the same pattern I tied three years ago. I look at it now and like my heads look better. My, my, um, flash on this, on my lateral line is better, you know, on the ones that I tied in current years, you know? So it's like, we're always improving. So hmm. let's just keep going and let's drive the sport in the right direction. I like it. Well said. Um, let's talk about your tying. Like I always like to talk setups, talk about, um, your tendencies at the vice, First off, um, let's talk about the main tool device. What, what kind of vice do you like to tie on? I uh, have a Stoneflow. Um, what the heck? I don't know what brand. It's a Stoneflow, but it's uh, Lever Vice Five One Six. It's a Flytech. I looked it up so I could tell you, but mm -hmm. I'm not married to it by any means. Like I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts, and I'm honestly thinking about getting the uh Renzetti Traveler. I've heard a lot of your tires talk about that and um yeah, it's I nice, uh I mean there's so many different good vices out there. I I, I like the Renzetti cuz it's reasonably priced and you can you can you can tie real small, you can tie fairly big. But yeah. I mean, I know Peak makes some amazing vices. They you you do what works for you, but if you you're I assume you're tying mostly bigger patterns for for, for yeah. Pike, you know? yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm tying the only thing I like I really like the vice and I like that it has different changeable jaws that I can just throw on. Like when I'm switching out from like a, you know, a size 12 bleach, then I'm tying like a six aught pike fly. Like I just switch out different jaws and, and I like that it's not fixed because I'll like turn the vice and like, I'll look at the fly from like straight on. Like, yeah, it's a true rotary and I can spin it all the way 360, but I like looking at it from like different ways, you know? So it's nice to mm. move it around. The only thing I don't like is some, I wish it was heavier sometimes, but you can just adapt your tying for that, you know? So, right. um, I'm always getting new stuff and trying new gear and I, that that's on my list that, and, uh, I want to get a loon tying kit. Like I don't really like my bobbin that much. So, and I've been listening to your podcast too. And that, that right bobbin, everyone keeps talking about that right bobbin. Yeah, I I got one of those Stonefall mates makes a nice one too, which is uh, very reasonably priced, and it's similar. 
Um, but the right bob, and I, I, I do like that. I like the way it fits in my hand, but it's like everything. You know, you get used to what you know. I, ha- I had some crazy old tools from when I was a kid, and I still use those sometimes because they're so, um, it, it, they work. So, I mean, you, you use what works for you. It's it's like the same with the, um, uh, you know, when you do your whip finish. Like some people just use, and I, I did this for years. I just did a hand whip finish. But I got away from that because it was kind of, once I figured out how to use a whip finish tool, I, I don't know. I just, for me, it was, it was a little simpler. But when you, do you whip finish uh, with a, with a tool or with, by hand? Uh, I whip fish, it depends on the fly. And like, if I got a ton of hair sticking off the front, like I can't whip finish. Like I got to use that little tool to slide it over. I don't know the proper name for it. It slides, you do the whip finish on the tool and you slide it on yep. to the eye of the hook. I usually just do it on my finger. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I, I use the tools for some stuff, you know, um, but it all depends, right? It depends on the fly. It depends what's going on. Do you have um, do you have a go to preferred thread for for your pike flies? Like a uh, so when I'm tying the body and like uh, when I'm not spinning hair, I don't. I just like something that's strong. You know, I really like that. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. That Danville's yep. denier, two ten denier flat wax. You know, I like that. Um, I can I can pull down on it pretty good. But when I'm tying hair, I will only use GSP. You know. Um, I like GSP 100, like 150. I used to get 50, but I stopped getting 50 because like there's nothing worse than like getting to like the last wrap and then you cranking on it and you break. You're like, ah, yeah. I got like one stack left on this perfect head and now this head is no longer perfect. Well, especially if you're tying some of these these big musky patterns. I know there's a lot of segmented things going on and, and you're vesting some time into this. So when you bust off, I hate that too, but I think that's another reason for doing whip finishes, multi whip finishes throughout the process, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And usually, you it's it's salvageable, right? You just yeah pick up where you left off, you know. So one more rap, like one wrap at a time, finish it off. So, uh, yeah. Have you got a you had any crazy things happen to you in your time on the water, Mike? Like anything? Like you wouldn't believe this, but this actually happened or a weird wildlife encounter, any crazy fish stories? Well, I do remember one time on the boat that I, uh, it's actually where I started to really learn to like wind drift and start trolling more. It was pretty choppy day. And I was like, I was popping off a fish. Like it was just a little guy and he's just thrashing like crazy little pike. And I looked away for a second like just one second to get my pliers and I like look back and he like jumped and had his mouth open. He just ran his teeth over my finger, over my thumb. And I just started gushing blood. Like that's the only time I've been cut by pike on my boat. Oh yeah. That's, that's one time that I got cut by the, the pike and I wanted to still fish cause the bite was like, we we're catching fish like every cast. And I'm hearing my thumb is just bleeding. Like, like I couldn't get it to stop, you know, I'm like trying to get it to stop. But I was like, man, I still want to fish. So I just like stripped like 10 feet out. I knew we're in like 12 feet of water. So I stripped like 10 feet of line out. And I just threw my fly out of the side of the boat. And I just like locked the rod between my legs. And I was like looking through my first aid kit because it just wouldn't stop bleeding. You know, like for such a small fish, he cut me so good. It was just such a clean multiple cuts. So I finally got the thing to stop bleeding. And then I learned after the fact that pike have like a, an anticoagulant in their saliva, I was told. Really? So... Yeah, so, like, that's when they bite and latch onto something. It'll just keep bleeding out. Huh. Like, I learned that today. That makes sense why my thumb wouldn't stop bleeding. But, like, in the meantime, me trying to stop my thumb from bleeding, I caught, like, five walleye. Because hmm. the fly was down in the zone, you know? And I was just getting chomp after chomp after chomp. It was like, think, I think still it think was of that day. Because you're chumming the water with your own blood? <laughs> oh man that, that definitely was it hey like jaws <laughs> uh no but it was i i think it was just like i was down i was down in the zone you know i was oh. i was i was down hitting structure you know and yeah. now to this day i still kind of do that like i'll make sure i'm 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 down in the zone you know and everybody should think of that when they're fly fishing like especially streamer fishing like where is my streamer where are my nymphs you know am i fishing this run correct correctly am i 
am I feeling bottom, you know? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, that, that was one aha moment and just crazy that my thumb was bleeding like crazy, but there's, I could tell you stories about ice fishing and trucks through the ice and all that, but we'll keep it to fly fishing. And that is one fly fishing moment that, uh, huh. I learned a lot. It might've been the hard way, but I still learned the lesson. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'll tell you this, this, this pike on the fly seems, seems like a pretty good, good thing to me. If somebody wants to, um, you know, uh, reach out and plan a trip for the, uh, Calgary, Alberta area, chase some pike with you, what's the best way to find you? Well, uh, you can email me or, uh, look me up on my Facebook page or my Instagram high for fish, but, uh, also my email is krugmike4 at gmail.com. I don't know uh, do people usually give out their emails on this? Sorry. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's whatever, okay, right, whatever cool, you're yeah. comfortable with. I'm comfortable with that, man. If someone wants to reach out and say, Hey, I've had a shitty week. I want to go fishing. Like man, send me a message because, uh, I feel like time on the water can, uh, time fishing, you know, whether the river or whatever, just time out of your normal comfort zone and your life is good. You know, we need those things. We need to feel small and we need to enjoy life, you know? Yeah. Well said. So are you, um, are you at the day job tomorrow or are you guiding? I am at the day job. So I, uh, it's Thanksgiving on Monday. So I got to work, uh, I got to work a full week. I got to work my Friday this week, but normally I work Monday to Thursday and then I go fishing Friday, Saturday. Then Sunday, I usually hang out with the wife. <laughs> That's so, a- but I'm working tomorrow. I'm starting at, um, I'm in at, at the shop at 5am tomorrow or 6am. Sorry. You got a big project on the go or are you, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I run their maintenance division there, so I'll take care of like numerous buildings and job sites in Calgary, but I'm actually building a big PLC panel right now for, uh, for a project. So it's, uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. fun. Like hundreds of terminate wire terminations and big, big, uh, multi-card, uh, PLCs. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's uh, oh. fun building projects. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm like a big kid playing in the, in the sandbox, you know, we're just building stuff for other companies and. And it's really good that I, I do run the maintenance program. So I'm around at different jobs. Like I talk with lots of people, different people, you know, with COVID, obviously it's a little different, but I still make my rounds and, mm. you know, I'll talk with someone and he'll tell me he went fishing and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, I fish too. And then I'll show him a big pike. I caught like a couple of weeks ago and they're like, Holy man, like, where'd you get that whopper? You know? And you're like, Oh, like caught him in the water, you know, <laughs> like give him a card and give him a sticker. Like I right. got hard hat stickers and, you know, I, I like to joke around with people and I like to get them out on the boat, you know? So being around at all these different jobs, like I talk with a lot of people and I, I really try to get them on to fishing or, you know, if they really want to float the boat, like I'll tell them to go book with my buddy because I've float, floated with him a few times and it is so much fun. You know, when you got someone that's dialed in on that river, like, that is so much fun. I think there's a lot to be said. That's one thing I have taken from three years of interviewing guides and outfitters is it, take the time, spend the money because it puts you on, you know, to get that experience, that amount of knowledge, it's actually not very expensive when you really think about it, what that's bringing to the table, that you know, that fishing experience. Cause you, you may or may not have ever fished that system. You may or may not know what makes those fish eat, you know? And, and when you can go with somebody that fishes it all the time, whether it's pike, whether it's trout, I think there's some value in that. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, I try to get out, like I've been, like I say, to try to take my birthdays off and the last birthday I went out with him and like, I had one of the best days I ever had on the bow, you know, and, and I, and I fished the bow a lot and I still learned a ton, you know, so it's, mm. you know, it's, it's nice to get out and be humbled by another fisherman. And like, I know he wasn't fishing, but you know, he was telling me exactly where to cast. I was just doing it, you know, and that's like people come out on the boat, you know, I'm not fishing. I would love to be fishing, but you're catching the fish. You're casting when I'm saying, you know, it's like, you're an extension of me. We're having a good day. Like, it's just, yeah. it's fun. It's when someone, has the time to take a day off or they're willing to spend a, a full day out on the boat. You know, I'm, I'm always humbled by that. And I, uh, means a lot, you know, those people are now buddies, you know, like 
that fly that all the pike just chewing on all day, you know, that is yours at the end of the day, you know, like that mangled piece of fluff, you know? (laughs) I love it. I love your passion for what you're doing, Mike. And Hey, thanks so much for spending the time with us tonight. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. This was a, this was a blast. You know, I, like I said, I really appreciate it. And just coming from a small business, you know, I, it means a lot. So thank you, Mark. And I love listening to the podcast. So I'm, I'm honored to be on here with all the Brian Chans and Phil Rollies and it's, it's awesome, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate your time. We've been chatting tonight with Mike Krug out of Calgary, Alberta. He's an electrician by day, but he runs high for fish an outfitter chasing pike jackfish, slough sharks, hammer hells, whatever you want to call them. He's chasing pike in southern Alberta. Look him up at High for Fish on Instagram. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.